when weather is breaking news. The WTVA 9 Severe Weather Authority has the information you need to keep your family safe. Flash flood watch is already posted from Grenada back toward Eupora. Using StormTrack Doppler, the most up-to-date and advanced severe weather technology, we track storms and show you when they will be where you live. Depend on the entire WTVA 9 News Severe Weather Authority team on WTVA 9 News, live, local, late breaking. The following podcast contains subject matter that may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed in the program do not necessarily reflect those of WTVA or its sister station, WLOV. It is not a production of WTVA 9 News. April 1991, Wichita, Kansas. Eight-year-old Matthew is at his friend's house. They're playing a game of his own design involving mental and physical challenges. Matthew realizes that he has become so fixated on managing and completing the game, he has lost track of time. He was supposed to be home 30 minutes ago. He knows his mother will by now be in a panic. She may have even called police. Geez, she can be a bit much sometimes. He uses the landline telephone. Mom, can I stay where you are? I'm coming to get you. What? Can I stay at Daniel's another hour? We're doing it. I don't care what you're doing. I'm on my way. I rode my bike here. Your bike can stay at Daniel's. I'll just ride at home now. Okay, bye. He hangs up before she can insist again, runs out of the house, jumps on the bike, and starts the three-mile trip home. Why does it look so much later than it is? Oh boy, is it going to start raining? Ah, who cares? Kind of fun to ride the bike in the rain anyway. What young Matthew does not know is that he is in the path of something deadly. It is on its way and it is bringing with it destruction, devastation, carnage. It will not discriminate. It will show no mercy or remorse. It will take lives and in a strange twist of fate will indirectly be responsible for saving countless lives down in North Mississippi. From the WTVA Creative Content Studio in the All-America City, this is Basement Now, a six-part series based on the true story of the North Mississippi tornadoes of 2014. Kansas City, Kansas. Little Johnny is spellbound. At three years old, he has already become enthralled with the magical box called the television. But what he is watching through the window of his parents' home at this moment is more exciting to him than anything he has seen there. He can hear it, too. 
the power of the wind whipping so much dirt, dust, and debris into the air. That big barrel, the one Dad puts trash in and sets on fire. That thing must be heavy as an elephant. But this wind, this storm, just picked that barrel up and threw it over a fence that's as tall as Dad. In this moment, little Johnny is as frightened as he is captivated. Way out there in the distance, he thinks he may see something. Something big, like a giant boogeyman gliding across the plain. He can't see its face. It doesn't have any arms or legs, but it is mad, and it is mean, and it is getting closer. Could it be coming to take him? His brother, the baby, is crying. Mom's trying to calm him down. That's when Dad tells everyone it's time to go to the basement. August 1971, Louisville, Mississippi. Ruth can finally sit down. She has been helping her mother get all the food on the table, and a big table it is. Enough room to seat all 10 members of the family currently residing in the house. It wasn't always so huge, but like the house, daddy just builds it bigger whenever mama's got a baby on the way. Ruth exchanges a smile with one of her seven brothers. They're all like her, sweaty, exhausted, hungry, and thinking the same as she. Hurry up and say the blessing, Daddy. Let's get it blessed so we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. The chicken, the potatoes, the corn, the cabbage, the greens. Finally, he does extend a hand in either direction, cueing his family to do the same. Hands clasped. They listen to his familiar prayer. In Jesus' name, and they all say, Amen. Amen. With precision now, they begin passing pots and plates and spoons. Ruth is eyeing a particular cob of corn making its way toward her, bigger and more buttery than all the others on the plate. Just as she is about to grab it, the brother closest to her ten years and closest at the table sticks it with his fork, laying claim. Momentarily, she cannot contain herself. That was mine. I ain't see your name on it. She reaches for it. He holds it away from her. She slaps him on the arm, and this freezes all activity around the table. A pot being returned to the surface is the only interruption of the thick silence until her mother, Ruth. Ruth knows what they all know, that her father is about to address her. Ashamed of yourself? Ruth is honest. Yes, sir. Why are you ashamed? Because I was greedy and I struck him. What is one thing we never do in this family? Raise a hand in anger. How do we treat each other? With love? Who do we do our best to emulate every day? Our Savior Jesus? What does this family show? Respect and compassion for all God's creatures. Once the recitation is complete, the family resumes plating and begins eating. Ruth apologizes to her brother in a sincere whisper. A moment passes before he moves the corn cob onto her plate. And everyone around the table is smiling, especially her father. April 1973, Louisville, Mississippi. Ruth. She can hear them all out there laughing, shouting, having so much fun. Her brothers, almost drowned out by the powerful wind rocking the screen door and the pounding rain and an occasional rumble of thunder. And see, that's their excuse for playing instead of working. The storm. But then, most of the work Ruth does 
is indoors, and her mother has already told her to keep at it. The boys taking a break does not necessitate Ruth interrupting her chores. It makes her angry, but she does her best not to show it. And she knows her mom is right. A flash of lightning in the window draws her sharp attention, though. What could be more exciting than playing in the rain, especially when there's that sense of danger? All the games they'd normally play, even the most simple ones, became so much more enjoyable. Something about slipping, sliding, becoming drenched, half blind from the water filling your eyes. Ruth. As her mother snaps her out of her daydream, Ruth realizes she is merely holding the dirty plate, not washing it. She expects her mama to reprimand her, but instead, she grins, glances out the window, and says, Go on, girl. May, 1973, Kansas City, Kansas. Johnny, eat your food. You always eat well. What's the matter? She knows what's the matter, Johnny thinks. His mom is just unwilling to recognize the traumatic nature of this development. She heard it just like he did a little while ago on the newscast. Yet, she is not phased. She's eating dinner like everything is fine. Everything is not fine. Don Harrison is going to Minnesota. Yes, Don Harrison, the man who forecasts the weather for us every night. He'll never be seen here again. Sure, they'll hire someone else, but we've gotten to know Don. We've laughed with him, heard about his family. We trust him. He's like a part of our family. Our routine will never be the same now. It's Don Harrison for crying out loud. Johnny is eight years old. March, 1975, Louisville, Mississippi. You'll get it, girl, try again. Ruth is doing her best to teach her cousin how to milk a cow. Joy keeps pausing to ask questions, and Ruth knows she's only putting off the next attempt. Y'all really don't never buy no milk? No, why would we? I mean, but you just drink it straight out the cow? Don't do nothing to it? This ignites Ruth's infectious laugh. It takes her a moment to respond. I ain't trying to make you drink it, I'm just showing you how to do the work. Joy seems to gather her courage and leans in for another try. There you go. As soon as she touches the cow again, she recoils, falling off her bucket and onto her behind in the dirt. I can't do it. Now, Ruth cannot stop laughing. She falls onto the ground next to Joy, and her laughter can be heard all over the farm. January 1978, Louisville, Mississippi. Ruth does not want to stop roller skating. She's having too much fun. Not only that, she's been entertaining everyone else at the rink. Speeding around the track, grooving to the music, going backward just as comfortably as forward. But they're making everyone take a break unless they're a part of some kid's birthday party. She rolls onto the carpet, wiping away sweat, quenches her thirst at the water fountain. The little kid music is playing on the sound system now but they're squealing loud enough in their excitement to be heard over the song. Something about the children's noises draws Ruth to skate to the wall, lean against it, and watch them. They're a big group, probably 15 of them, all trying to stay on their feet, pointing and giggling at each other, screaming. The lady, who must be the birthday boy's mom, 
is doing an especially good job of motivating, leading them. She's obviously the adult and in charge, but boy, she does not care about looking silly. She's doing whatever it takes. And then, in an instant, the lady goes from clowning around to ninja. She simultaneously spots two kids in peril. One girl about to fall on her face and one boy seated on the floor about to have his fingers run over. Somehow, the lady grabs the girl by the back of her jacket and stabilizes her. At the same time, she gets a hand around the boy's ankle, scooting him forward and out of harm's way. Ruth smiles. She's impressed. What she's seen gives her a warm feeling inside. And for the first time in her life, she considers what she might like to do for a living other than work on the farm. December 1981, Kansas City, Kansas. Bishop Ward Catholic High School. Johnny is having trouble staying awake. It's just, class is so boring today, you know? She's just going on and on. His thoughts turn to a lesson from a few weeks before, one he found infinitely more interesting. The Bible passage she had read them. What was it? Isaiah 55:11. Like most things in which he was interested, Johnny could remember it perfectly. O oh, afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony, and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. It compelled him because it dealt with weather, among other things, of course. The science of weather was still so marvelous. Like that two-part season two opener of The Love Boat. Marooned, it was titled. That had to be his favorite love boat because there was a hurricane in it. But it was the love boat. So, of course, you know, it wasn't too real or scary. Really excellent premise, though, love boat. What a great show. Another from the mind of Aaron Spelling. That guy was great. Come to think of it, first time I ever saw Bernie Coppell from Love Boat was on an episode of Charlie's Angels. Another great spelling show. Boy, that Kate Jackson. Ow! Johnny is stunned back into reality when an open palm strikes him in the back of the head. You don't seem to be paying attention, Mr. Delusic. This has been Episode 1 of Basement Now. I'm Jason Liusri, exec producer, writer, editor. Main title music by Funk's Gate. Additional music by the 2,000 people. If you are enjoying the show so far, please leave us a positive review and rating on iTunes. For additional content, find us on Facebook and Instagram, WTBA Creative Content. We'll be back in two weeks with another installment. Thanks. Talk to you soon.